You are listening to a podcast by the Trinity Long Room Hub Arts and Humanities Research Institute. Polish language and history. 
In Galicia, under the Habsburg rule, the law prohibited, prohibiting women's membership in organizations of political nature was lifted in 1907, when the female organizations could become legally recognized. In Russian partition, neither men nor women had political rights until the revolution of 1905, when a more relaxed law was introduced in the Kingdom of Poland, um, allowing women, uh, women's groups and press to sprout. As a result, in Warsaw only, there were about 30 various women's associations before World War I. Despite the mentioned ban on women's political activity in all partitions, women did organize themselves illegally or under different guises before these demarcation dates. For example, they formed interest circles and organized literary events used as a platform of consolidating the movement and developing postulates and strategies to push for women's social and political rights. Because of that political context, I think it is more appropriate to talk about women's emancipationist efforts rather than only fight for suffrage, which is in presented political reality simply could not always be openly articulated. Secondly, we observe significant shifts and splitting within the existing movements as the reappearance of the independent Polish state became more realistic, and particularly with the outbreak of the World War I. Many women were pressured to sacrifice their feminist demands and concentrate their efforts on supporting the nationalist cause. But there was no consensus there uh, neither. The groups closer to nationalistic profile felt they should give up postulates of women's suffrage, supporting the argument, first independence for Poland, then independence for women. For strictly feminist groups, however, the more the idea of free Poland materialized, the more they felt the need of a formal representation to put their demands to the emerging leaders. In 1917, one year before the introduction of suffrage, women from all three partitions gathered at the conference in Warsaw, during which they appointed a delegation of women to negotiate with the then-emerging Polish government. These women could not imagine a newly resurrected Poland without women having equal political rights to those of men. They saw war as an opportunity actually for, for a huge uh, reform and to push uh, for, uh, for women's rights. And it turns out that uh, this 1917 conference was crucial, uh, 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 the, the, the kind of women's mobilization in that year, because neither of the political programs in the 1917 had women's rights on their agenda. In addition to the shift within the movements, within the women's groups, the beginning of the, of the 20th century sees the emergence of a great number of political fractions, particularly in the Russian partition after the revolution 1905, with different ideologies uh, dominating these parties. Each of these parties envisaged uh, uh, women's place in a new Polish uh, state differently, yet the predominant narrative was that of conservatism and fear that upon entering public space, uh, public sphere, women would neglect their duties as wives and mothers. As women's groups were frequently affiliated with one or another political option, we see how the mainly male conservative members of the parties try to influence women's group to support the ideologies that drove them, be it socialist, communist, 
conservative or democratic. Even in the Socialist Party, which theoretically had women's emancipation as a part of its program, patriarchal views uh, of its male members uh, provided a great obstacle uh, to implement those ideas uh, uh, in reality, like women's rights. Finally, what adds to the complexity of the topic I'm presenting today is how it features in the collective memory, or rather how it is absent from it. Um, so uh, we can say that the, the, the kind of the history uh, books are full of mustached men. So, <laughs> you know, the, the women are uh, the shadow. This is actually a, a, a cartoon of Piłsudski by Marta Frey, who's a kind of feminist uh, artist. Um, and uh, we knew very little about uh, those movements until, the, uh, 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 until the, the, the last decades where the documents start to appear, where the pictures are being digitalized, where the research is being done on the, on the early women's movements. Uh, so uh, the, the kind of the covert character, the sometimes unofficial character of women's activism doesn't help uh, always to uh, have the full picture. Uh, and that's why uh, perhaps the history is dominated by, by that. Uh, so as, uh, as um, Valceska argues here, she says the pre-World War I activism of Polish women is nearly non-existent. Uh, and another scholar argues, our discourse today is dominated by the idea that only men fought for, uh, for independence. There were 30,000 men in the Polish legions. Another 30,000 were women active in virtually all areas of fight. The prominence of women in the military is reflected in the rich collection of photographs of female soldiers, which only recently became widely available thanks to digital collections. And here I have just some examples. So these are just women from uh, one uh, unit uh, in, in Lviv, uh, Volunteers Women's League uh, in Lviv. Uh, there were other units uh, in, in Krakow, in other cities. Um, another example, uh, this is um, uh, Major Wanda uh, Gertz, who was one of the 30 women uh, we know uh, of uh, who fought in the Polish legions during World War I, disguised as, as men. Uh, so this is her uh, male name, Kazimierz Żuchowicz. Uh, after, uh, uh, later she came out as a woman again, and she actually founded um, uh, another women's uh, women's league um, during the World War One. Uh, in addition, <clears throat> during the communist period, all women's pre-World War uh, World War Two uh, activism was a subject to socialist ideology and propaganda, which considered women's efforts purely in the context of class struggle, emphasizing women's history in the socialist movement only. The recent studies and discovering of her story provides us with more nuanced view, bringing to light organizations and individual women who were crucial players in the process of obtaining uh, the full political rights, and as I want to boldly state, without whom there would be no independent Poland today. The public awareness of the role of the first wave of uh, feminism and specific women has improved slightly in the recent years, mainly uh, because of the, the celebrations of, of the preparation for the centenary of its independence. So this is um, an exhibition uh, in Warsaw of the Polish Women's League, uh, which uh, was established in 1913, but during the war, 
uh, it was kind of uh, it was called the Polish Women's League for War Relief. So uh, the the exhibition is showing the, their activity in the military uh, in, in in combat as well. Um, also, as I speak, uh, a Polish feminist artist whom uh, cartoon I was just showing is launching a, a, a comic book, Dromaderki, which is based on the biographies of women who before and during World War I participated in the military underground actions. Dromaderki is a, is a common uh, nickname for women who were uh, participating in, uh, in the, uh, in the uh, battles. Um, so uh, I, I actually contacted the artist and I asked her what's the content of, of that book uh, because uh, she's just launching it at that time, so I, I didn't know. And she told me, uh, to, to my uh, actually great happiness, that she based uh, that book mainly on the memoir of Alexandra Piłsudska, uh, a militant suffragette that uh, I want to center part of my talk. So I was very happy to hear that this was the text that, that she used for that. Um, so, um, Aleksandra Piłsudska, of, uh, whose maiden name was Szczerbińska, has been living in the shadow of her husband, uh, Józef Piłsudski, who became the chief of, what, uh, of uh, the Free Polish State, and whose legend as a savior of the Polish nation survived a century. Uh, so, I want to actually uh, relate to her uh, as Aleksandra, using her first name, uh, because her second, uh, her original surname is a little bit more bit difficult, uh, and also I don't want to refer to her as Piłsudska because I would mention the second wife of Piłsudski, so there'll be too many Piłsudskis. Okay, <laughs> so the, the first name basis. Okay, um, so uh, of course it was Piłsudski's newly formed government that on the 28th of November introduced the active and passive suffrage to all above the age of 21, regardless of sex excluding men uh, serving in the military. In addition uh, to that, I think why uh, there was not too much uh, talk about Piłsudska, not too much knowledge, was that uh, she was, um, uh, the memory of her was successfully suppressed by the communist government. And so I use in my talk, I refer to her memoir, uh, which was published in London in 1940 as Memoirs of Madame Piłsudski, However, it was published in Poland when the Iron Curtain was falling, so in the, 18, in the 1989. Uh, as I am unable to introduce the full spectrum of uh, female activism, social, political and military, focusing on Alexandra allows me to introduce this individual perspective uh, and uh, uh, use it as an example of Polish women's journey to political and national independence. Her own contribution, however, with regard to both, is truly remarkable. So the memoir covers her childhood and youth in the Russian annexed part of Poland. So I, look, I, I will look specifically under uh, the Russian uh, uh, partition. Uh, beginning, uh, beginnings of her feminist and political activism, which, uh, as I show, cannot really be separated, and her later role as a first lady. Alexandra remained active in the region of the Russian part of Poland before World War I, and later, in Free Poland, she resided in Warsaw. Uh, however, she emigrated to London at the outbreak of the Second World War, escaping the, the uh, Soviets, uh, and she also died in London. 
I want to use Alexandra's biography to illustrate the major factors that contributed to the specific character of women's activism in Poland before 1918. These are primarily the role of tradition, I will look at that, education, and finally the World War I and the crystallization of the idea of the independent Poland. So, surprisingly, even in the studies written by feminist researchers, I found sentences that Piłsudski supported women's rights and encouraged women's participation in the military units. I guess that is the power of the legend. But in the memoir, Alexandra stresses uh, many, uh, in many places that Piłsudski uh, had a lot of resistance to both the idea of women having the right to vote and um, she stresses his firm stance to never allow women to fight in combat. Uh, mainly, his reason for uh, his resistance to allow women to fight, uh, to be part of the military, was that he was afraid of humiliation, that if the women enter the military, that, would be, uh, that, the, that the army can, couldn't be, wouldn't be able uh, to be taken seriously. Uh, uh, and she would have no reason to lie about that, that issue, given that her writing about Piłsudski as a politician and as a strategist is full of admiration and generally glorifying him too. So it was not until 1934, a year before Piłsudski's death, that he truly admitted the significance of women's input and their readiness to participate in the project of rebuilding the Polish state. In one of his public speeches, he said that women were the first to follow and they were the most reliable supporters of this project. So the newest research, however, underlines the role of women in making of Piłsudski. His first wife, so these are the kind of three major uh, female figures that are behind the, uh, Piłsudski's legend and his glory. Um, so, Maria Piłsudska, his first wife, um, introduced him to the prominent members of the PPS, Polish Socialist Party, of which he became then uh, a, long, uh, a leader. Uh, the, woman on the, the woman on the right, uh, Zofia Zawiszanka, uh, from 1912, she was a key member of the intelligence unit in the region of Kielce and Radom, and fought with the Polish legions in the first years of the World War I. She was also uh, a kind of recognized for her achievements uh, by military uh, orders and awards uh, after the First World War, which is uh, quite, uh, quite unique. Uh, she also contributed to Piłsudski's legend by writing a very glorifying him uh, book uh, about uh, uh, way, way like years before he became uh, the chief of state. And in the middle, uh, Piłsudski's second wife, Aleksandra, who led military operations, such as the famous robbery in Bezdany of the Tsarist train traveling to the Central Bank in St. Petersburg, an event to which Aleksandra dedicates an entire chapter in her memoir. The members of the PPS uh, have stol uh, had stolen uh, 300,000 rubles which then they used to build, uh, to build Polish army. So now I want to consider the extent to which the tradition of women's patriotic mission and their participation in the national uprisings of the 19th century 
inspired the female activists uh, of the first wave, which is the, uh, the, the kind of, um, uh, those are the groups emerging uh, in the decades before uh, World War I. The lack of sovereignty shaped the sprouting from the 19th century movement, which uh, goals uh, often developed in parallel or were closely linked to the attempts of regaining independence. And one example I want to introduce, a very prominent example, are uh, a group of women called Enthusiastki or Enthusiasts, uh, who were active uh, in the mid uh, of, the, of the 19th century um, it was uh, a first organized women's groups, uh, a group um, in the Polish territories uh, based in Warsaw, and they were dedicated to improving education level of women and the betterment of their social status. Uh, um, but uh, the group was highly involved in the Polish uh, conspiratory activity against the Russian occupier. For instance, they printed leaflets and they, uh, they uh, kind of shared them. Uh, this resulted in the political persecution, harassment, or even imprisonment of Enthusiastki's members, uh, including uh, Narcisa Zmichowska, who was imprisoned for three years for her uh, kind of anti-Russian uh, propaganda activity. Uh, and then uh, after that, many uh, leaders, uh, again including Zmichowska, were banished from living in Warsaw, which basically led to the dissolution uh, of, of that group. Uh, of course, the, the, the treatment of women plotting against the, the Russian uh, Tsar was much more uh, severe. They often were sent to Siberia. Uh, now, Zmichowska, uh, just very briefly, uh, she, she, was a, she is known today as a writer, as, a, as an educator. She was an eccentric woman. She smoked a cigar when it was not, uh, uh, women were not allowed to smoke a cigar. Uh, she uh, also included in her novels uh, a kind of uh, lesbian uh, elements, uh, elements of lesbian love, uh, which was, you know, she it was very scandalous uh, at the time. <clears throat> but now, fast forward to the year 1907, we have Paulina Kuczalska Reinschmidt, uh, regarded as one of the most effective suffragettes in the first wave whose mother was a member of Enthusiastki. And she engaged in the earliest form of women's activism on Polish territories. In the 1907, Kuczalska-Rajnsi created first strictly feminist organization uh, called the Union, of, uh, the Union uh, of Equal Rights for Polish Women, Związek Równouprawnienia Kobiet Polski, which specified demands for women's rights as separate from the nationalist demands. The union wanted women's equality in political life and full civic rights, uh, which was a priority over the uh, national cause. The second unit of the association existed in Galicia, in Kraków, uh, with a different leader, yet both groups were uh, endowed with its own lively press, sharing the same contributors, uh, including Kuczalska. The Union of Equal Rights organized the first All-Polish Women's Congress in Warsaw in 1907. This was the first official meeting, however it is worth mentioning that such uh, meetings and congresses were taking place uh, starting from the end of the 19th century uh, and there was quite intense cooperation between women from Galicia and from the Russian uh, partition. 
these uh, unofficial meetings were disguised as uh, anniversaries of prominent uh, uh, writers, uh, while uh, 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 they provided, uh, both the press and the congresses, they provided a very important platform for the consolidation of the women's political and feminist activism in Polish territories, and for publicizing the postulates of equal rights uh, to the wider uh, female audience. Uh, now, also in 1903, uh, Kuczalska-Reinschmidt published a, a kind of voluminous article uh, about the development of the feminist movement in the United States and in Europe, uh, also dedicating a great part of her work to the domestic uh, movement. And this is now considered the, the first uh, text that is providing the, the history of the feminist movement uh, in Poland. <clears throat> what uh, I was also want to emphasize that um, uh, that the women who were most active campaigners for, for women's uh, cause were very well educated and often uh, having completed their degrees at European universities such as Kuczalska, who studied in Paris and in Vienna, but also in, in, in Poland, and uh, Zmichowska of Enthusiastki uh, herself also studied in Paris, uh, which uh, in, in, the, in the French Academy, which I think, I believe she was one of the first women to study there. And I think that it's important to say that, uh, that they, they were educated, but also many of them uh, studied abroad, because they, this is where they came uh, in contact with the feminist ideas uh, abroad. But I want to make a point here that even though... Uh, we find when we trace the biographies of these women, they come back to Poland and they are inspired by these feminist, Western feminist ideas. They actually draw mainly from the Polish women, the, the, the figures of Polish women known uh, uh, from Polish uh, history and who were kind of important in the, in the Polish, uh, for the Polish culture. Um, so uh, we see that Zmichowska uh, of Enthusiastki uh, is becoming one of the uh, highly the, high, the highly regarded inspiration of the first wave, and in her work, uh, in her published work, Kuczalska is often uh, referring to Enthusiastki's legacy uh, that is working uh, towards women's legal, social, and economic rights. However, the union uh, wanted uh, equal rights in all spheres, and the famous motto of Kuczalska was, "We want the whole life." Okay, we want the whole life. They want the equality in all spheres of life. And also in the case of Alexandra, uh, the revolutionary tradition appears the main driving force of her political and feminist activism. <coughs> Sorry. The January uprising of the 1863 was fought by her grandfather Ludwig, her uncles and other relatives, many of whom were sent to Siberia as a punishment and that was a still living memory uh, where, where she was growing up. Alexandra's grandmother, Karolina Zachowska, who raised her because uh, Alexandra was an orphan, was herself a prominent member of an underground uh, unit in the Suwałki region in the northeast uh, of Poland during the 1863 insurrection. She was actively involved in transportation and storage of weapons used in the uprising. The grandmother claimed that the failure of the uprising was the biggest tragedy in her life, which she demonstrated by wearing black clothes 
until the rest of her life. From her grandmother, Alexandra received the ring with the date 1863 engraved on it, which together with lessons in patriotism, she considered the most prestigious gift. Um, these are the uh, two uh, papers of uh, the Union of Equal Rights, Ster and Nowe Słowo, um, um, that they were, that where they published their ideas. And here, uh, again, going back to the, the uprising. Um, so after the, the fall of the 1863 uh, uprising, uh, women, many women wore uh, black. It was the, the national mourning, and we can see that tradition continuing almost until, uh, uh, until the end of the World War I. Many women still wore uh, a kind of black dresses for official uh, events. Uh, this is a famous pa painter, uh, Arthur Grodger, who uh, is uh, he's portraying the news that the, the uprising had failed. Uh, and this uh, there is an example of so-called mourning jewelry. So there was lots of jewelry with uh, crosses or the date 1863 that people shared uh, within families. So th this is this is just to show how the that legacy uh, is kind of and the memory is kept alive uh, for for generations. Also today in Poland, women dress in black uh, as a protest of violation of women's rights. And I think this is uh, some of the, that tradition is obviously continuing from, from that time. So there's an obvious relationship between uh, women's involvement in the uh, uh, uprising efforts and the feminist, uh, developing feminist movement. The private and intimate sphere of women lives post 1863 was permeated by the nationalistic and rebellious spirit. As Alexandra describes, women sitting by the stove in the evening whispering the insurrection stories. There were many individual women active in conspiracy in the 19th century, but they were forgotten by history because the memories of them were distorted or silenced. Alexandra's grandmother fell victim to that. She was often described in different accounts as hysterical and irrational. Branding, branding women as hysterical is a big part of the anti-suffrage narrative uh, at the beginning of the 20th century. So we know that this is a strategy of undermining women's authority so they can be easily dismissed. The best proof of how efficient and indeed threatening to the occupiers was the female force in the Polish territory, territories is expressed in the words of the Tsar Nikolai I of Russia, who after the uprising of... Uh, 1830, in the correspondence with Ivan Pashkevich, who he had put in charge of Poland, wrote, I fear women, that devilish nation always acted through them. Of course he means Poland. So I think this is the best uh, justice to how uh, you know, uh, a powerful uh, force uh, women provided. The knowledge about the insurrections passed down by the grandparents, but also the strong anti-Russian sentiment informed Alexandra's, Alexandra's social work and political outlook. In 1904, she joins Polish Socialist Party PPS, formed in Paris by Polish emigrants, which has Poland's independence as the main goal of the party's program. Also, the party accepts everyone regardless of, of sex. The strong anti-imperialism uh, made uh, Alexandra oppose any idea of entering into any kind of union 
with uh, Russia, which was, a, which was a project proposed by the National Democracy with the leader Roman Dmowski, who's the main opponent of Piłsudski. In her memoir, Alexandra describes how the Russian authorities tried to break the Polish spirit and how people defied it. When still a pupil, she wore her braids in Polish style, which means tied around her uh, head, around her face, which was prohibited. The, the, the Russian style was to tie at the back. So, that, so, you know, there were different ways of defiance, and even such uh, little things like hairstyle were under control. Of course, the language, uh, Polish language and the history were, were prohibited, so... Um, so they were taught in secret at home. Of course, Alexandra was uh, also uh, studying uh, Polish uh, li literature, Polish language at home. But in the post-secondary education, uh, she attended uh, so-called flying universities uh, with classes taking places in professors' apartments, but in ever-changing location to avoid Russian spies and their Polish informants. Uh, soon after uh, Alexandra joins the party, she starts uh, the, the um, uh, uh, kind of education work among, among the workers, many of whom couldn't read or write and lived in extreme poverty, but as Alexandra said, uh, they had strong patriotic feelings. So that particular wo work had nothing to do with abolishing the class society, okay? But it was informed actually by the, the, what her, the teaching of her grandfather who explained to her that the reason why the uprising failed was because there was no cooperation between different classes. So there, the, there, was, a, there was no unity and that's why the uprising fail, uh, failed. So in her thinking, uh, the education was a key because it was uh, uh, kind of closing the gap between classes but also people could be fed the ideas, the patriotic ideas, people of, uh, who were not uh, liberate. Um, now, in 1905, uh, Alexandra is managing central ammunition storage in Warsaw, and in 1906, she becomes the head of the intelligence uni unit of the PPS. Around that time, the militant organizations of the PPS party consisted of some uh, 478 women. They took part in assassination attacks as well as smuggling weapons and clandestine press. Alexandra and other dromaderki smuggled ammunition under long skirts and corsets. Contemporary fashion was an alley, she wrote, especially the large coats and capes. And then she says, with time we became so skilled that we would travel around un uh, unsuspected with up to 49 pounds of weapons uh, or paper on us, okay? So she described loads of stories, actually, when, you know, they have to march uh, with all this ammunition, sometimes grenades, which could explode, and they have them in their corsets. Uh, sometimes they meet the Russian soldiers on their way, they have to cross the border. So it was actually very dangerous, but in her narrative, the narrative is full of humor and, uh, and, and a kind of and, and a mis mischievous kind of... Um, uh, uh, you see it's a, it's a kind of mis mischievous task. And she, in fact, recalls one situation where a mother of a friend of hers discovered that her daughter uh, was smuggling uh, weapons. And when the secret was out, um, uh, the mother said, well, finally you're doing something truly useful. I never liked this idiotic secret prints about socialism. Printing was an argument we used back in 1863. 
and she tenderly stroked a revolver. <laughs> um, here also we have a kind of artistic rendition of Wanda Krahelska, who uh, took part in the famous 1906 uh, uh, assassination attempt uh, on the Russian governor general of Warsaw, Georgi Skalan. Uh, she, she threw three grenades at him, uh, but he survived. Um, in 1913, League of uh, Women for War Relief was founded, founded with Isa Moszczeńska as the leader. The League cooperated with Józef Piłsudski's rifle squads and supported Polish legions. Women who engaged in uh, League's actions were connected with radical left wing, so they were connected to that socialist um, uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, party, and with, with other feminist groups. Uh, what is interesting is that they, they actually considered them, themselves feminist, uh, which was not always the case. Uh, Alexandra herself described herself as a radical uh, feminist. She often refers to, self, to, to, to herself as a radical feminist. For, for her, she observed a generation of women actively involved in preparing insurrections. The access of women to military was uh, one of the basic rights, uh, and indeed a feminist issue, as we can see from her comment here. So, uh, in 1912, a moment has finally come for women to get actively involved in the Rifleman Association. Piłsudski promised long ago he will not forget about women. Feminist movements was rapidly spreading, uh, movement was rapidly spreading across Europe. In England, the suffragettes chained themselves to the bars and set castles on fire, fighting for women's rights. So what is interesting is that she is moving from uh, talking about how you know women should be part of the military to uh, immediately relating to, to feminist movements. So she kind of ties it uh, to, to the to the argument of um, uh, feminist movements and also uh, looking up to more militant uh, suffragettes in, in England who were kind of you know smashing the windows uh, and so on. So she kind of sees that as uh, this is the highest time when women should uh, actually be part of the, of the, of the fight. Um, and uh, also what is interesting that we have a picture here of Rifleman Association in Krakow, but if you look closer, we have actually here in the center a few women, and uh, uh, this is something that maybe it's not studied yet, and I haven't found any official name, but Actually, there was an, an official unit which was called Rifle Women Association. So there was a, a purely uh, women unit uh, that was created within, within that uh, or as separate uh, to, to that organization. And it provided a military training to women. Women were undergoing the same kind of military training as, uh, as men. And this actually proved absolutely crucial during the World War I as women were prepared to deal with all sorts of tasks that they were, uh, they were kind of uh, asked to participate in. Uh, women trained in the Rifle Women Association were later part of different parliamentary and war relief organizations. The largest one was the, the, the Women's League for War Relief that uh, had an exhibit in Warsaw. Uh, the extent of women's participation then in the military operations during World War I is said to be one of the major arguments for granting women 
the right to vote and run for office in 1918. But I would say that actually that date, uh, 1912, is very important because, you know, obviously um, uh, uh, around probably 1910, uh, Piłsudska starts his relationship with Piłsudski and she's, she's having influence on him and this uh, issue of women participating in the military because of her tradition uh, of her grandmother and, uh, and the, the way she, she was brought up, uh, this was really something very urgent and, and it was a priority. So she pressured him for that, for, to, to agree to, to allow women to be trained. But I think once Piłsudski agreed, once he gave in, he then had no argument in the 1918 to say that you know uh, women uh, women uh, were not important. So basically, this is the moment when allowing women to fully participate in building the Polish state and uh, and and fighting is that that moment that was decisive in the 1918. Um, so in the 19th century, European kind of. European Victorian societies, the private and public spheres were strictly divided and gendered with men in public sphere and women in the realm of home. But in the partitioned Poland, paradoxically, women had many opportunities to become independent through their social and political work. The national uprisings followed by imprisonment of men, their death or exile in Siberia camps, put new demands on women to take to take on roles previously reserved to men. The historical reality necessitated the involvement of, more, of, of all, no matter of sex, in the national cause, that is preparing armed conflicts, telling the stories of bravery and heroism, as well as the stories of cruel oppression in order to preserve the national narrative. Um, so women in the public sphere was not something extraordinary in the Polish territories. At the same time, however, women, women's roles were very strictly defined in that public sphere. The political persecution of the occupying forces, Germanization and Russification, seen as threatening Polish values, put pressure on women to dedicate their time and efforts to teaching of the Polish language, history and literature, as they were seen as the carriers of the, of the national traditions. This demand can be seen as providing an obstacle for the emerging um, women's groups to become purely emancipationist movements. The turn to tradition as a way of defiance to the occupier's intention of suppressing the nationalistic feelings obstructed the reform of gender relations. Gender roles, particularly in the private sphere, remained largely unquestioned, uh, unquestioned uh, while the patriarchal values were even strengthened through that turn to tradition. As many researchers observed, the involvement of the Polish women in the national cause politicized their efforts in, one, in that one direction, delaying or, or perhaps restraining the aspirations of female groups to fight for political and social rights for themselves. And that intimate relationship that developed between the struggle for women's rights and the national rights as well as having to operate in conspiracy or uh, in the kind of covert forms, shaped the specific character of the female activism in the Polish territories, something that, that uh, as I try to show, have a long-lasting consequences. It was during the partitions 
that a, that a specific type of Polish activist emerged. They identified themselves as social activists and rarely as feminist activists. The feminists became labeled as selfish, something uh, unpatriotic and unorganic in the Polish context, which is kind of misleading considering that, uh, as we have seen, there is a strong tra tradition of feminist, uh, feminist activism, but it, it seems to be always clashing with that uh, nationalistic narrative. There was also a level of shaming and social stigmatization of groups with uh, a purely feminist agenda, especially as the war, uh, World War I was nearing. From the start, the nationalist circles tried to jeopardize the emancipationist tendencies of the feminist groups. In 1907, a series of meetings took place in Warsaw, which addressed the question of changing position of women in modern societies, the so-called Woman, a woman question. The woman question, this is something that is very common in Europe, common discussion, how the uh, position of, of women is changing. But this provoked uh, the National Democracy Camp to convene their own meeting of women of the nationalist movement, at which women were called upon to do their duty and stand on guard on national instinct. The argument made by Zygmunt Balicki, one of the leading, leading figures of national democracy, that, quote, women's rights are not a national cause, led to a walkout of many prominent female participants who were otherwise supportive of the nationalist ideology, including the heavy exploited subject of uh, exclusion of Jews from the Polish nation. In 1917 and 1918, uh, the pressure was mounting uh, mainly from, uh, from women's groups um, uh, affiliated with Piłsudski camp and uh, the Socialist Party to uh, grant women uh, the voting rights. Um, the national democracy, which after sorry, um, yeah, the national democracy, which after World War I became one of the most powerful political groups, saw the women's place at home while the interests of the suffragettes are clashing with the national interest. And uh, women uh, with uh, emancipationist views were removed from the party. In the argumentation of the party, we can detect anxiety that upon entering the public sphere, women would neglect uh, their womanly and maternal duties. And we can see that the conservative outlook is to a great extent determined by the perception of, the, of that division between private and public sphere, which was very much a traditional Western uh, outlook, as I showed in, in Poland, uh, that division between private and public sphere was not that strict because of the political uh, kind of uh, reality, uh, and women uh, actually uh, doing a lot of male duties when they were killed or when they were fighting uh, in war and so on. The leader of national democracy, Roman Dmowski, highly regarded the British ideal of a woman as a house angel, which is uh, close to Matka Polka, the national ideal of woman, the, the nationalist ideal of womanhood. We also need to note the process of Catholicization of Polish nationalism, already quite visible on the eve of the Great War, which added another layer to their argumentation towards the expectations of, uh, of, uh, uh, from women. Um, okay, so um, 
This is a feminist postcard around uh, 1910, uh, which uh, says a general election is only when women vote to it. was a kind of popular uh, postcard at the time. Um, and uh, here, um, uh, I mentioned that in the, 19, in the 1917, uh, when, uh, uh, when um, there was a, a, um, a Women's Congress organized in, in Warsaw, uh, and um, uh, a, lot of, a lot of women were uh, kind of preoccupied by the fact that neither of the political programs uh, or either socialist or communist or, or national had uh, women's rights on their agenda. So they organized this congress and uh, they created this uh, central committee for the political equality of Polish women. And it actually proved very important because they put these uh, postulates very strongly and uh, that congress was attended by uh, uh, women from uh, various uh, actually um, 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 feminist groups, but what is interesting that uh, those were mainly, mainly women from the Piłsudski circles and from the socialist uh, circles who were pushing for, for, for these rights. Uh, and in here they, they kind of, uh, it's a leaflet where they appeal um, uh, to, to women, which was kind of uh, uh, aimed to popularize this idea, uh, and they say uh, in here that, uh, that the political equality of women uh, doesn't have uh, any opponents at, at this moment. So that was very important uh, actually time, uh, but uh, women realized that uh, they, they have no supporters within the political parties, so they decided to kind of take, uh, take matters in their own hands and that's why they created uh, this organization, but also other organizations other, uh, in other parts of Poland. There were other committees, uh, election committees created, uh, because women uh, decided that uh, they, they shouldn't cooperate with the parties, because the parties don't care about them. Okay, so uh, they realized that, uh, that uh, they, they need to act within their own groups. And even uh, in the uh, Union of the Equal Rights, uh, the women did not allow men to join that party because they, they, they felt like the men were not uh, uh, their allies enough and they actually needed to uh, have all that uh, women power to, uh, to push for, for their demands. Uh, however, when women gained the right to vote, uh, they became attractive for all the political parties uh, in Poland. Due to the losses in the World War I and continuing battles after the war, continuing uh, conflicts, which required men to enroll in the military service in the reborn Poland, it was the women that constituted the majority of the electorate in major Polish cities, such as Warsaw and Kraków. And going back to the national democracy, uh, 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 the party which was strongly opposed to women participating in public life, having uh, the right to vote. They were the ones who were, uh, uh, quickly realized that, uh, uh, that, uh, that they need women uh, to, to support them, and they started to lead an intense press campaign. And encouraging women to cast their vote for, for them, they appealed to their patriotic but also Catholic duty. 
So they, we see how this narrative, uh, the, the, the kind of Catholic uh, values are ingrained in that, uh, in that appeal uh, to women to support them. And that is their kind of, they should vote for the national democracy because of, this is their national and Catholic duty. And it was from the initiative of national democracy uh, that the first women's organization after World War I was called into being. These organizations were campaigning for improvement of women's social situation uh, along the lines of the party program, uh, post-war party program, did not promote female candidates for the parliament. Thus, female citizenship in the nationalist scheme became instrumentalized, divorced from women's own emancipation, leaving women with a modern and nationalized version of the traditional Roman Catholic ideal of womanhood. And uh, today, uh, I, I would argue, uh, you know, the, the, the conservative government in Poland is continuing that tradition of supporting uh, the, that, uh, that, that model of womanhood that was promoted um, by, by, the, uh, by the national democracy uh, through a number of, of policies. So, uh, 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 you know, they, they encourage the, the kind of model of womanhood which focuses on home, on children, so a number of benefits for children were introduced uh, to, to support women having children. Uh, at the same time, you know, uh, you probably all heard about the, the black protest there's attempts to introduce the uh, more restrictive abortion law. So uh, we can see that uh, the policies are supporting certain vision of womanhood, which is that, uh, that uh, very traditional conservative uh, uh, type uh, um, uh, promoted, pro promoted by, uh, by, by the government today. Um, and so um, I kind of want to end with, again, with Marta Frey, who says, wake up Polish woman, the fight for women's rights uh, continues. And uh, maybe I can, uh, I didn't cover something, so maybe uh, these can be addressed in the question session. Okay, thank you. <laughs>